Welcome to day three of our look together through Revelation chapter four. We're going to focus on verses four and five today as we continue this experience, this worship experience in the throne room of God. Yesterday, we looked at the one on the throne, one with the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and we looked at what was encircling the throne, a rainbow, the character of God and the promise of God seen in what John describes for us. And now, today, as we continue through this chapter, in verse 4, we come to what is surrounding the throne. Surrounding the throne are 24 elders. Let me read for you verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Here are 24 thrones around the throne, and on those thrones there are 24 elders. Now, who are these 24 elders? There are two main views of this, and commentators down through the centuries have not agreed. Some people believe that they are angels, 24 angels sitting around that throne who are empowered as messengers of God. Others believe that they are believers. They are saints of God who have been honored of God and are sitting around that throne. Now, just to show you how people don't agree on this, I was reading two major commentators about this just recently, and one said that they had just switched from believing it was elders around the throne to thinking that it was angels around the throne, that they had to change their opinion after all these years. I read the next commentator, and they said, I've just switched from believing it was angels to believing it was believers after all these years. So we go back and forth in our opinions about this. I personally think it points to people. God's saints. The idea of crowns on their heads just leads me in that direction. The fact they have crowns, how they're dressed, the way that they worship, it makes sense also with the number 24, whether it's angels or believers, saints of God who are being honored here. The number 24 is a very important number. Remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and remember, there were 12 apostles. So in 24, you get Israel, you get the Jewish nation, and you get believers, you get the Christians you get the whole people of God. God's going to bring all of his people together in some way at the end of time through Jesus Christ, through our belief in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we're brought together. But Paul tells us that there's going to be a great number of Jewish believers at the end of time who come together to believe in Jesus Christ. So the 12 tribes, the 12 apostles, all brought together all of history in what God is doing. There's also another possible explanation for the number 24, and that is that there were 24 divisions of priests. Any Jewish reader would have immediately known that. Just when you hear the word 100, you might think there's 100 senators if you happen to live in America. You know that number. 24 was the number of divisions of priests. So the idea of these that sat around the throne being the priests of God, serving before God at the temple of God, that's an attractive idea. That's something we would have all known. David had divided the groups of priests into 24 so that they would not serve all at once but they'd be represented one after the other serving in the temple. There was one high priest, but there were 24 orders of priests and 24 who served as representatives of the whole before the temple. Now, I like, I like something in that picture because that reminds me that these 24 elders are probably serving as representatives of the whole. They're not the only ones who are being honored. They're serving as representatives of all of the people of God who are being honored. They're dressed in white, it's a symbol of God's holiness placed upon their lives through Jesus Christ. They're wearing crowns of gold. We're going to talk about those crowns later as we walk through this chapter. The crown of life, the crown of righteousness that's been put on their heads by the love and power of Jesus Christ. This throne 
This throne is a place of worship where those seated around the throne, their lives have been changed because of God's plan, God's plan for salvation through Jesus Christ. Their hearts are changed and their lives are renewed. And because their lives are renewed, they're seated before this throne. And notice they're seated in thrones. They are not only worshiping God. There is some sense that they're reigning with God. Now, I I don't know all that this means. I must admit that this is something I'm waiting to get to heaven to discover, to understand. But I do know that Jesus taught that we will reign with God. I do know that Paul taught that there is some sense in which we will reign with God for all of eternity. We will worship him. But the idea, the idea that somehow we reign with him, that's almost beyond explanation to me. I don't know all that it means, but it does say something to me of the great honor that has come into our lives because of Jesus Christ. The great joy of being together forever in heaven, of reigning with him in some way. It has something to do with the responsibilities that we have in heaven, but it also has something to do with the honor that Jesus Christ has put upon your life for all of eternity in heaven. This throne, it is a place of worship where we stand before him in worship. It's a place of awe. It's a place of God's promise. On the throne, there's the one with Jasper and Carnelian. Circling the throne, the rainbow. Surrounding the throne, 24 elders. And then we come in verse 5, to what comes from the throne. From the throne come thunder and lightning. Verse 5, the first part of the verse says, from the throne come flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. If there's anything in your mind that has this experience in the throne room as some small little intimate experience, you've missed it. This is a place of grandeur. This is a place of greatness. This is a place of, of God's glory. There's the 24 elders around the throne. There is the bright beauty of the throne. But then from the throne, there come these flashes of lightning. There come these sounds of thunder peeling from this throne. Just imagine this moment. If you've ever been in a worship experience where the the music gets loud, but there's something about the loudness of it that lets you experience the greatness of God. I know some of you don't like loud music. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a different experience where the loudness of the music It draws you upwards to experience how great thou art, how great God really is. If you've ever had the tiniest experience of that, then you begin to understand what's happening in this throne room of heaven, the greatness of who God is. It's interesting that the flashes of lightning, the rumblings and the peals of thunder, these are sights, these are sounds that are associated for any Jewish reader, anybody who's read the Old Testament, with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. This is what happened when God gave the law to Moses. This was the moment where they saw the power of God. And throughout the Bible, even in people's lives today, lightning is often associated with the judgment of God. You hear people say, hey, I'm going to be struck by lightning if I say this, as if God's judgment's going to come down on me. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. When you hear of thunder and lightning, it makes you feel that this throne, it's a place of beauty, but it's also a place of judgment. It's a place where the judgment of God, God is the judge on his throne, is very clear. Many people don't like that. We live in a world today that's affected by this idea of judgment in such a way that we sometimes are even uncomfortable with God as the judge. We like to think of the throne of God as a place of grace, but not of judgment. But unless the possibility of judgment is real, what does grace even mean? It's an empty thought. It's a meaningless thought. 
Here's the truth of the matter. And it's interesting, even as I'm saying this now, there's a storm in our area and there's thunder and lightning outside and there is wind and there is rain hitting the roof where I'm speaking. It's just reminding me of the greater thing that's going to happen in this day. It's a place of judgment because sin has torn God's world apart. It's torn your life. It's torn people's lives apart. So of course God judges sin, whether it's fallen angels or fallen people or a fallen world. Of course God judges sin that tears apart his creation, that tears apart his people. What kind of God would he be if he did not? But that is not where he wants things to end with us. He wants our sin to be forgiven. And the judgment for your sin fell upon his son, God himself in human flesh, who gave his life for us on a cross. The throne is a place of judgment. It's a place where we see clearly who God is. But it's also a place of grace for all who've trusted in Jesus Christ. If you haven't, trust him now. We want to stand together before that throne one day. Trust him now. Just say, Jesus Christ, I trust your forgiveness. I trust your grace. I don't want to depend on me being good enough to stand in a place like this. I'm not. I know it. I depend on your grace and forgiveness. I want to begin to live the kind of life that you made me to live, Jesus Christ. I trust in you. Let's all pray together. And as we pray today, just thank God for who he is. Thank him that this throne is a place of worship, where we're reminded that all through history, New Testament and old, God ties it all together. And just say, thank you, God, for who you are, and that all of history is tied together in you. Thank you, God, for who you are, and that all of my life is tied together in you. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to still be at the throne together. <laughs>